raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. All right, big big point in the schedule for the Panthers, who are coming off a three-game winning streak, beating Jacksonville, Minshew Mania. They were able to at least uh, keep it in check, get the win. Christian McCaffrey, another unbelievable performance, and now the team headed to London this week to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a second time. It's Jim and Mike, pregame, postgame podcast show. And, you know, Mike, before we get on to what's coming up this week, I mean, McCaffrey, that's just been unbelievable. People were like a few days ago before that game, is he a possible candidate for MVP? No, Patrick Mahomes. No, he's not a quarterback. He can't be. If you stop the season right now, there's no way he's not the MVP of this league. Yards from scrimmage, rushing yards, leading the league. And he seems to get better and better every single week. But uh, he's he's been amazing. And I've kind of turned my focus from, like, and I'm glad Bonifan did what he did, and we're definitely going to use Bonifan moving forward. But I'm like going, you know what? Let's not rest him just for this year, not like a five-year plan. Let's just see what he can do. Let's set the number so high. <laughs> That it's like the all-time yards from scrimmage, and I'm not saying he's going to rush for 2,000 yards, but you know, big big rushing number yards from scrimmage total there. Let's see what he can do and how much he can blow it out. And when you look at uh, the one game, now granted they had two losses, but you know he's very productive in the in the Rams game, but in, in the Tampa Bay game, um, when you look at his, you know, targets and his carries, um, you know, it was his lowest total of the year, and so and I think it was three less if you include the the receptions because he it was like a difference of four i think but um but jim what's been amazing about him is is the high impact plays i mean we knew he was going to be a good outlet valve and and short yardage stuff was 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 fine whether it was running the ball or or, you know maybe being the outlet valve but to to the big breakaway plays that he's had you know and and you know breaking his own team record um i thought the funny thing about that is they kept running that play and Reggie Bonifant scored basically on the same play. I think they just reversed the, the, the side of the field that they ran or the, the side of the formation that they ran it in. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that, that – not to say they had a chip on his shoulder, but he, he certainly was overlooked even though he was drafted in the first round. I think he was still overlooked. And even initially some Panther fans I think were even like, you know, oh, CMC, you know, he's just, he's just going to be a wide receiver essentially, you know, like a, like a Wes Welker type of thing. Um, but – He's really turned into an all-purpose back and a bell cow, which is I don't think I, mean, I think the only people that really expected that um, were, were were really the Panthers personnel staff and Ron Rivera. Yeah, no question about it. And um, got to give a little credit to uh, Dave Gettleman; he got that one right. Uh, Marty's done a terrific job with the bulk of the roster, but uh, that was a, a big. When you look at the face of the franchise right now, it is Christian McCaffrey. It's uh, more than anybody else right now. Reggie Bonifant, back to him though. When we saw him preseason. Talked about him last year a little bit coming out of Louisville. Was a receiver there. Played quarterback before Lamar Jackson did at Louisville. So he's the perfect backup running back. When you have, as you said, a bell cow, you don't need somebody to come in and share the load. 
He just needs to give him a break, you know, take a series of downs here and there. And not that Bonifant's going to knock out 80 yards on five carries every time, but he can catch the ball. He can block. You can run the full offense with him. You don't have to dummy it down when he's not out there physically in terms of now we're a one-dimensional team, that kind of thing. So love what he's doing. But we got to give credit to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. You start a six-round pick, Dennis Daly making his first start at left tackle. Daryl Williams again moved inside, so no Trey Turner. Greg Little played pretty well the week before he was gone. We've had three different left tackles at this point. And just the offensive line, I mean, you, when you get 285 yards rushing and you're talking about that mid-zone rush, creating that hole that was open left and right all day long against a good Jacksonville defense. That was not a Cardinals bad defense. That was a good defense. Uh, that was really doing something. Well, you look at that position, you know, we, we talk about how important, you know, obviously head coaching is, and you talk about how important it is to have a, an all-star quarterback, top-tier quarterback, and, you know, you want to have elite pass rushers. I think from a coaching perspective, you know, after your coordinators, I think your offensive line coach might be the most important guy. And, you, you know, look at the, the Patriots, for example. Dante Skanekia, he was with the Patriots when I was in high school. Um, and, and this is a guy that when he, when he left the Patriots, I don't know, six, seven years ago, they kind of went in a little bit of a dip. And, you know, so before him and after him, there have been Super Bowl contenders and Super Bowl winners. And I think when you look at what John Masco has done here, um, I mean, they've had, you know, a lot of times had plug-and-play guys um, – and you can go down the list of, of guys that we've seen here over the last five years and just look at 2015, too. Um, but what he's been able to do, and then to be rewarded with the game ball, I thought it was, was really cool on Sunday. No, well-deserved. Not his first rodeo, so not his first game ball. John's been around forever. Mick jokes that he asked uh, Masco at some point, how long are you going to do this for? He said, "Till I die. <laughs> because it's, these guys don't have hobbies a lot of times. I know Coach Rivera plays golf, and he's good at it. But a lot of these guys, like, this is their hobby. This is their passion. It's what they enjoy. It's their life. It's why North Turner still shows up doing these kind of things. These guys have made their money. I mean, they're set. They could retire. Uh, they enjoy doing this and teaching new guys how to play. So that was huge. Defensively, first time the team's ever won and given up 500 yards in a game. Uh, and it felt like it a little bit. That was, Minshew's good, first of all. Give him credit. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was just like he was on a hot streak. It's like Kyle Allen. You kind of want to see a larger sample size. He's good. He's better than Baker Mayfield right now. I'm not addressing their long-term future. Who knows? Uh, But right now, a six-round pick is better than last year's number one overall draft choice in Baker Mayfield, the way he's playing. Minshew just really is composed. Two touchdowns, 374 yards, uh, and looks like he'll get better and better, too. So uh, defense was not great, but they did the big splash plays, getting those. He he fumbled the ball three times, and we recovered all three. It's kind of Kyle (laughs) Allen-esque in that way, that uh, kind of risk-reward when you're playing a young quarterback like that. But defense did some great things. Uh, I'd like to close that game out a little bit cleaner, but one of those was a false penalty. It wasn't a hands to the face at all. But uh, overall, got to be pleased with, again, the continuing whether it's a quarterback sack, which there were three of, or just at least pressure affecting the pocket. Yeah, they're doing great things on defense. To start with uh, Gardner Minshew for a minute, uh, I asked Marty about that in, on the postgame show. You know, what does that say about scouting? Because, you know, six-round guy, you know, as you said, um, you know, went to, uh, went to ECU, and then Washington State. For the, he did the PG or Washington State. Um, he was elusive. And, and, I don't know, a little bit like Brett Favre, uh, to me, the, 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 I know Eugene said the comparison was, was Baker Mayfield. I was like, right, right, right. But I was almost thinking style of play going way back because um, he's a 70s type of guy, but like a Kenny Stabler, you know, just very elusive. And, you know, he did have the fumbles, but, you know, one of them was Mario Addison basically just pushing his guy into 
Gardner Minshew. You know, I, it's funny. We talked a lot about the defense, um, and you, we, you know, mentioning the, the 500 yards, but it still felt like even though they got all those yards, that uh, and, and Chark was amazing. Amazing. I mean, that dude. It seems like was uh, not not dropping anything, but uh, the defense made big plays when they needed to. The, the big plays came when they needed the big plays to come. And then I thought the end of the game was was miraculous from the standpoint of what they have like three. Basically, they get they got 15 yards and they three plays to keep doing like the Hail Mary. Um, but what can you say about Luke Eakley, too? I mean, he could have picked that off and maybe tried to run it back. But he did the smart thing, knocked it down. He said after the game he just wanted to go home, which I think was the sentiment about everybody there. No, and he's such a pro. And that was an open field, one short of the end zone, where if you wanted to, you could have picked it and took a knee or whatever. But he's just doing the absolute 100% smart play, just knock it down. And he did a great job with that. So he went over 1,000 tackles in his career in that game too. So as we head to London and take on Tampa Bay this week, and again, not putting it all on him, Joey Sly, though, coming off being special teams player of the week, Three missed kicks. First one, not his fault because Clay's Campbell, that was a bad blocking assignment there. That was not on slice. We don't know what that kick would have done, but he did miss two, including an extra point and uh, third one. You got to get that right. I mean, it's just like you got to remember that you're kind of talking about a guy that surfaced this year that bounced around a lot of camps and people said not accurate enough. As Coach Fox used to say, two weeks from disaster here. If he puts together back-to-back games like that in some form or fashion, People turned on Graham Gano in a heartbeat. I mean, within moments after going 29 out of 30 the year before, fans were ready to turn on a kicker immediately. I'm not saying they're going to do that to Joey Sly. They won't. But the league will <laughs> because it's just it's so competitive. and He's got the great leg, but hopefully that doesn't become something that comes back and bites his team because that was a close game as it turned out this past Sunday. And, Jim, I think this is also one of those key moments in a career because – like a closer in baseball who maybe starts off the season 10 for 10 or 20 for 20 and closes and then, you know, blows a game in, in a tight spot. This was that tight spot. If, if he makes those kicks in the PAT, you know, Panthers win by over 10 points. I mean, it just – or close to 10 points. So it would have been more breathing room. And I think it affected um, the decision when the Panthers had that sequence where they had that third and goal or third and, third and one at the four and – uh, Christian McCaffrey has that pass play, the pass option play, and then the Panthers do go for it on fourth down and they they miss it. You know, if he kicks two field goals and is successful, you know, maybe that's a, a PAT field goal, if you will, right? So, I mean, I think that may have affected the strategy a little bit. Um, but I think this is one of those seminal moments, too, in a young career. How do you bounce back from this? This and take maybe take a page out of Jordan uh, Jordan Gross's advice. You know, pick yourself back up. You know, that's being a winner. And sometimes. One of the things we liked about Kyle Allen was, you know, sometimes when things go wrong for him, he just is able to pick it up and, and brush it off. Uh, this is Joey Sly's basically first year in the NFL, and we have to see what his makeup is now. If he comes back and has a couple of clutch kicks against Tampa Bay, everything's great. People probably still have this in the back of their mind, but they'll probably forget about it at some point. This, To me, this is... Okay, this is his first bad taste of of adversity since making an NFL roster. How's he going to respond? I think that's something that we'll be watching. I think that's one of those keys to watch for in the game on Sunday. If it comes down to a late kick, um, you know, I, I think Ron's probably going to have the confidence in putting him out there. Um, but you know, this this is now something that you do have in the back of your mind. And that last Tampa Bay game, we were playing this week in London, went down obviously to the wire with a yard and a half, half a yard if you pick up the first down. And the Panthers could have won that game against Tampa Bay, so it could be a close game where you need to make a clutch kick there. So I'm not going to get a ton into the, the London aspect. I'll, I'll recap when we get back. I've never been. I don't know. But, uh, have you been there before? Or? Been there. 
So you've not been, but um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it when we come back next week, and uh, we'll have some great stories and the big band parliament, all that good stuff. <laughs> Chevy Chase European vacation, but uh, the game itself, again, this is uh, seeing the same Tampa Bay team we saw a month ago. They've had some weird games. They score 55 and beat the Rams. They lose by a touchdown last week to New Orleans, which is uh, upsetting me that they're playing well without Drew Brees three weeks in a row winning these games. Uh, so within the division, things remain tight because of all that. There was the one week Bruce Arians backed his kicker up five yards from 29 to 34, misses the game-winning kick at the end of the game. So they've been all over the board. But we know this, Jameis Winston's good. Uh, Mike Evans, when they use him, is good, which they didn't use him last week. Godwin's the guy. He's got six touchdowns over 500 yards receiving. O.J. Howard, they don't use enough. So they got weapons that they're not even touching the surface on yet uh, consistently in terms of what they could do down there. And their defense is good enough. So I think this will be a really interesting test. So it'll be fun to be on the international stage and playing the game. And that's kind of overshadowing the talk. But this is an important game to get to 4-2 and two with a four-game winning streak. Another division game. You don't want to go down two in this series, 0-2 against Tampa Bay this year because right there you're – they're they're in contention like everybody else is in the NFC South. Except for Atlanta, it's really tight right now. And you know, of course, the Saints is crazy. Uh, but you know, Bridgewater that that's why you go and, and you get a good uh, you know good quality backup guy that has starting ability. You know, Tampa Bay. You know, they're going to come in thinking, hey, we already took care of this team. We we can do it again. For the Panthers, they're different too. You know, because remember that was the game Cam got hurt. Uh, the McCaffrey play. I mean, the, the, at the end of the game, that stretch play that didn't work out. I mean, that works out. Maybe it's a different, you know, it's a, it's a different tone to the season. Um, but, you know, the Panthers have got back on track with three straight wins. So this team's playing with a lot more confidence and playing more comp- – like the first two games, it, it just felt a lot of disjointedness. Uh, but the last three weeks, it's really been complementary football, um, both sides of the ball making plays. Uh, you know, the emergence of, of Brian Burns continues to do well. Um, you know, the defensive line made, made some, some big plays. So – I, I, this is going to be the game of adjustments, right? I mean, this is almost like first half, second half. You played them already at your place and you lost. Now it's a neutral field. And, you know, what adjustments are the Panthers going to make? What are they going to take from, from that game before? And it's still fresh for both teams, so it, I don't know if anybody has an advantage from that standpoint. But, f- again, this is one of those moments. If the Panthers are going to be the team that they want to be, they got to win this game. Absolutely. you got, uh, again, I think it's a, a pressure-packed season coming off 7-9 to nine last year that – uh, you you got to be better, and uh, you got to be a playoff team. I think it's, it's kind of the expectation as you're back in the playoffs this year. You got a chance to go to four and two, don't want to go three and three. And we all saw what San Francisco did to Cleveland Monday Night Football. Again, not looking two weeks ahead. You had the bye week in between, but uh, that one was one of those ones early on, like going, okay, start looking at wins and losses, and again things change. But uh, San Francisco. Not last year's uh, 49ers at all, 4-0, and they're the real deal right now. So anyway, next week we have the bye week, but we'll get back together once again on the pregame, postgame podcast show. We'll have a special London recap, look ahead to what's coming up, uh, a little bit uh, extended look at the San Francisco 49ers, Mike, and uh, looking forward to you guys doing your postgame show, we should mention, because we're the pregame, postgame show. Odd scheduling this week, 6.30 a.m. in Charlotte. <laughs> for the pregame show, 9.30 kickoff, and then you guys will be doing the postgame show basically at lunchtime. We're going to try and find some fish and chips to uh, maybe bring into the studio uh, just to kind of have the, the, the set the mood. But it's going to be interesting because, you know, we'll be done by probably 2.30. You know, uh, the game will be 9.30, so we'll get it probably about 12.30-ish somewhere. And um, it'll be lunchtime with uh, Brett, Mike, and Eugene. We'll do the Dick Enberg berries and cream from Wimbledon, uh, even though we're not Wembley or Wimbledon in this one. Uh, but Tottenham, I'm told. There's no H pronunciation. Tottenham, right? So we're learning how to pronounce things already before we go. The Hotspurs, coached by Greg Popovich. Uh, So uh, anyway, we'll get all that uh, next week when we check in once again.
Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull. Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.